Hi, this is Dana Gould, and you're listening to the Walter Paisley Movie House. I stay here whenever he lets me. Welcome to the Walter Paisley Movie House, where we celebrate the little engines that could not. Coming to you from Nilbog Manor Studios, I'm your host, Dylan Rory. Our music is by Jonathan Harmon. And today is part two with Sky Elabar, Big Braden himself. Hope you enjoy it. So you end up in New York. Um, when was that? Around 98, I think? Yeah, okay. Nin- 1998. Okay. Went to New York. Uh, worked with a producer, um, found this producer named Roger Greenwald, and he and paid him to mm-hmm. produce a couple of our tunes in his bedroom. He had a little studio set up in his bedroom. And um, my friend was working at Quad Studios in, um, in Times Square, where Quad's famous. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody from rap icons to rock icons worked in there. They had floors right there on uh, 48th Street and uh, 7th Avenue. But mm-hmm. we mixed the record there. I, I cut a deal with Quad to mix the two songs that we did with Roger, and it started getting interest. Cool. And Epic Epic Records was interested, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. that got the ball rolling to where we were we were approached by Blackbird. Right. Okay. And then, and, so you signed with them. It was that the album. Is that when you put out 412? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what's the meaning behind that title? I was curious. That's the area code of Pittsburgh. Here we go. Okay. There you go, man. <laughs> so you're there. You're, you're signed by a subsidiary of a major label. And then things start growing for you. Geffen starts showing interest. And Geffen is a huge music label. What stopped things for you there? Well, Time Warner and AOL merged. And they dumped Blackbird and all these subsidiary labels. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what they do. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we, we just, just shuffled to, you know, get, get another label. Mm-hmm. Thought that was the way to go. And I, um, I connected with this manager named Charlie Panaccio, a really great guy who now runs runs a big label in uh, a country label in Nashville. He managed us and got, got interest from Geffen. Mm-hmm. And, um, and at um, not Atlantic, but Electra records who are connected yeah. with Atlantic yeah. to maybe re-release the 412 record again. Cool. So all this happened, Geffen happened and then the towers came down. Right. And yeah. and the, the deal went away. It just yeah. it just disappeared. We did, you know, and then Electra came along, and that was another scary incident. Yeah. And um the the music business, the guy who was gonna sign us on uh Electra, Rick Getz, really great guy, a bass player, okay. AR guy, he's no longer in the music business. None of these people are in the music business anymore. <laughs> it's like gone. Yeah. 
just with all the, the of course 9-11 changed a lot of things but then the music people don't realize with all of the the mergers and corporate takeovers and everything how the, all these little labels started dying off like you said and it now i think everything's under disney or something anyway but <laughs> seems like anyway sky's under disney yeah there you i'm go. kidding oh, i'm kidding i would I'm, I'm, I'm looking for, i'm looking forward to the the family version of greasy strangler that's, that's gonna be, right it's going to be on disney that's plus right. next week <laughs> it's blurring out the long. penises and <laughs> The greasy tickler. <laughs> the greasy tickler. That sounds yeah. even grosser. Um, so you guys end up moving to LA, uh, and you'd said due largely to 9-11. You just wanted to get the hell out of that city. Largely because of 9-11, because it was like pterodactyls and zombies walking around Manhattan. Sure. You know, yeah. And flying above our heads. Uh yeah. So we move out, we, uh, we, Rose and I move out from um, New York to LA. When did you meet Rose? 2001. We were, I was, my manager was, lived right, was in the basement of a brownstone that Ryoichi Sakamoto owned and it was his management company i don't know if you know who Ryoichi. he's like the uh he's like the the inventor of of uh synth music man way back in the day wow yeah, cool. yeah. so he he had a famous group out of uh out of japan and they did soundtracks he did the music to the last emperor okay i'm familiar with the score so yeah and um he he had his he lived there in this brownstone and underneath the the basement they had their management company and and um this guy evan balmer he used to he used to manage us okay. and rosa lived right next door and um the rest is history. <laughs> so it the was same a, it was year strange, you met. It was a strange uh, meeting when I first met Rosa. Why she, is that? She, she rode up on a bicycle with a little cocoa in her basket, like uh -huh. idyllic little dog. And some guy, some delivery guy who was delivering for restaurants came by and pulled down his pants and started masturbating in front of her. Yeah. Yeah. So the fuck. So New York, she, obviously man. she was she was like scared out of her wits. Yeah. And she came over to us and did you see that guy? And and I want I was gonna chase him. And she said, No, don't chase him. Don't get <laughs> wow. That's fucked up. Yeah, well, that's New York, man. No, I mean it's New York, yeah, but Jesus. I think that's the same meat cute from Manhattan that Woody Allen wrote originally, isn't it? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, that's a, that's, that's a how we story. met. Wow. Masturbating delivery 
food delivery it's guy. Like if it hadn't been for that pervert. Wow. So you guys met the same year that you end up moving to LA together. So you were pretty sure that you guys were a good fit. Yeah. And we met 2001 and left for LA in 2002. Okay. All right. And um, just <clears throat> New York was scary, man. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, obviously delivery guys are masturbating in front of you. So you got to get away from that. That was Luckily, nuts. LA is perfectly normal. So, you guys get to I'm LA. really happy. Happy. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> LA's normal, right? <laughs> so you got there. You said you started working in an ice cream shop. Yeah, and you were still doing music. Actually, my first job, my first job was was uh, in a in a deli in a Korean deli over mm -hmm. at UCLA. Okay. And uh, it was be like lunchtime was beyond your wildest imagination busy. I'm it sure. Was, and there was a little, there was a little Korean lady in there at, at the register that I took over. She was kind of retiring mm -hmm. and her name was Mickey, Mickey. Okay. And she was an older Korean lady. And she had this system down. I was saying, Mickey, how do you do all these orders and keep these all these orders? Like, like hundreds of orders come in. How do you keep them all like organized? And she showed me her system. And I was like, this is genius. And I learned that system, just shadowed her and watched her put this together. Mm -hmm. And then she left and I took over and I was like, boom, 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 boom. Cool. And we i'd go in there and work from like five six o'clock in the morning breakfast wasn't too busy but then lunch was oh my god and worked there for a while then went to the ice cream shop okay and the ice cream shop was a was a, a um a chain of ice cream shops that in from new york city and they were trying to break into the LA area. Okay. <laughs> and and I think you know remember the Seinfeld episode about fat free ice cream? Yes, yeah, the yogurt place. I think yeah. this was the shop. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is the shop that Larry David was talking about. <laughs> okay. It, they were saying it was fat free and it wasn't fat right? free, man. <laughs> People were like they come in the next week and they'd have gained 20 pounds <laughs> but anyway we worked there okay at the ice cream shop and then a bunch of other odd jobs mm -hmm. on but it was it was fun and so at some point rose saw something in you that prompted her to encourage you to go in to try and get cast in some things well she got she got into acting first okay doing stuff and she did some commercials and some tv stuff and mm -hmm. and then she said you know well i'd ask her how did it go wow i was kind of fascinated she said you got to go down and get your picture taken at this place mm -hmm. called la casting yeah. and at the time it's no longer like this because of covid but right. there's a place called um down in hollywood called uh corner um 
corners of the world or or it's it's a big there's a big globe globe and it says wait what's happening to my screen i don't know oh, there we go crossroads of the world okay down in and they had all it's like a, a mall type thing a, a you know a little bunch of shops and la casting was in there and you'd go in and they take your picture and start a profile online for you and then you'd log in and you'd get all these these projects that would say you know we want this type of dude or this type of guy right. this you know and you'd submit yourself online and then they'd email you and say you have an audition it was as simple as that and i got yeah. uh, like in the first first month i got a movie called nothing but the truth right i booked it yeah and, and shot that and got into sag got enough money to join sag right and that one you played an art director in that one it wasn't a named role but what was that like for you working on your first movie i mean right out of the gate you're going into feature film Sc scared as shit because the the director from from belgium was mm -hmm. uh was a, a really really creative odd dude that wanted like wanted stuff from you right right w wanted to pull everything out of you that you could get were you and, able uh, to pull some of your musical performance background into your acting performances without any formal acting training and stuff you're kind of learning on the fly were you able to draw from that? Oh, uh, God, that's a great question. I don't know. I Maybe subconsciously, yes. Yeah. But I wasn't consciously thinking, like, I don't think I was thinking, this guy was really bizarre. Okay. <laughs> like, and all of my scenes from this movie got cut because he did his director's cut and Nike, who was doing the film, didn't like it. Yeah. So they cut. They got. They got a new editor in, and he edited all of our stuff out. Okay. It's a skateboarding movie. Yeah, with the yeah. skateboarders acting in it. Right. With skits. Right. And really bizarre stuff. So um, they didn't. They, they're like, this isn't. This isn't selling our skateboarders. <laughs> you know. So cut this. <laughs> So from there, you're, you're getting some character work parts, some commercial parts. Um, you were in an episode of My Name is Earl, one of my favorite little TV shows that, that didn't last long. Um, so that was you're fun. Starting to, I'm sorry? That, that was fun. You were um, a prison guard. So I'm assuming it's that the season when he's in prison. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then... <laughs> it's it's a little a little scene a quick yeah. scene dude yeah yeah i started pulling up as i was going through your stuff i'm like wait i've definitely seen him in this role um your stuff on the curl show um i went in i was not a a regular watcher of new girl but I pulled up your episode and watched that. It was kind of fun just see you popping up into these little things. You did a lot of yeah, shorts the creepy, around that time. The creepy guy. The creepy yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, creepy tenant. 
so as you're working through all these, you're starting to get your chops as an actor. Were you working with any acting coaches or anything, or were you just taking this on and learning on your own? I did. I did work with some acting coaches. I never went to a class because mm-hmm. I, 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 um, what do you, what do you call it when you you go and audit? I audited some of these classes. Yeah, these quote unquote great classes in LA, and I just hated it. Yeah, I hated it, man. And and if I hate it why would you put yourself through something you hate and then you come out like with the it's kind of like you talked about with with music school where it's the more they tell you the proper way the more you realize they're just gonna beat my love of this out of me there you go yeah there you go so i did find some coaches and worked on certain things with them like if I got a, a big a big audition, I, I'd say, let's work on this and hear how they approach this stuff and how they dissect a script and, you know, all mm-hmm. this stuff. And I, I learned from that. Yeah. So oh, this a, is how you, what what's the typical audition process like for a job in actor now? You get a like today, for instance. I'll get a I'll get a an email that says from my manager that says you have a you have a self tape is everything mm-hmm. self tape now yeah uh, you have a self tape for that's got to be in by tomorrow for Stranger Things mm-hmm. I've done that I did I did auditions for Stranger Things mm-hmm. for example and you that go out and print the sides out learn your dialogue first mm-hmm. and you know get somebody to read with you and set up the camera and go for it figure out how you wanted to do it yeah are those coming to you with any kind of guidance i know um the sides screenplays will always have some description of the character some um a few character quirks and pointers what yeah. do you do when you're looking at those? How do you internalize some of those? I, ju- I just, I usually don't like, I usually don't get involved in any of that looking at their breakdown. I don't, I just, I look at the script, yeah. look at the sides in the script or whatever they send me and get my image of this, what I think of this because they picked me I, you never, I, I not not to be like egotistical or no, anything. No, they're coming but, to you for a reason. Yeah, and I, and I I really don't think they're going to describe me on that that right. They're sending it out to everyone mm-hmm. and everyone. So that that description, that character description, you know, I just try to look at the look at the dialogue and look at the script Let the and try to get my own that. thing out of it and try how do I, how am I going to do this, right? You know, that kind of a thing. Okay, cool. I like that. I I I'm a I have a degree in theater, and that was the first thing I would do was ignore all those parentheticals and go right into the script and what does that tell me about this person and kind of go yeah there. exactly yeah. exactly. 
Okay. Yeah, that's the best way, man. Absolutely. It's coming out of the the written word, not what the first production thought this character should be. And yeah. Right. Yeah. So we gotta we gotta get to the elephant in the room. You're doing all of this work and then the greasy strangler comes up. How was that? What was that process of you getting that role? That happened. I know this is a hack boring question, but (laughs) no, 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 no. That that the greasy strangler stuff with Jim happened way before any of this. Like I'd been working with Jim from 2000, doing auditions for him back in 2008. Right. 2009, 2010. Those things that he he didn't get the funding for right that, he we yeah. did a couple shorts mm-hmm. that were pretty intense and they were a lot of fun and i auditioned for jim for commercials and all kinds of stuff so i we had a good good rapport mm-hmm. and then you know he kind of sent me this script for crabs from the short and i yeah. i really liked it I got to read that script again. It's somewhere in my email. It was, we were going to shoot it in Austin and I was, I was stoked. And then it lost the funding. Right. And then Jim said, we'll do something. And then like six months or a year later, maybe six months or a year, he sent me the greasy strangler. And I'm like, whoa. (laughs) What was, how did that read? Like right now, I think, anyone who's listening to this, their concept is how it came across visually more than just the scripted word. So when you're reading that screenplay raw, how did that read to you? It didn't read like a comedy to me. Mm-hmm. It, re- it read like a really bizarre father and son story. And, and I really got the, the image of the character Braden as being, uh, you know, a, a really downtrodden kid, mm-hmm. little kid, man, yeah. who's, who's being abused by his father, yeah. but has lo- love for his father enough to just cook greasy for him. Right. You know, he wants to take care of his dad. And he gives him, he innocently gives him advice on health. You know, mm-hmm. I read it in a fitness magazine that I found on the bus. I mean, Braden's a good guy, man. He's sticking to his dad, even though his dad's a real douchebag. Yeah. It's an incredibly dark story. And the darkness of it gets overshadowed by the absurdity as you watch it as a film. It's just, I I early described it to friends as like a series of absurdist sketches woven together with this narrative of a father and son. But the darkness is the relationship. And the things, the things that are said as jokes a lot of time, the the uh, the happy pills for troubled kids and things like that. Yeah, yeah. You get this picture that this kid has just spent his entire life under the thumb of this emotionally abusive asshole. Not only that, Ricky Prickles abused him. Yeah, yeah. His stepdad. Yeah. He called him Fatty Boom Boom, and you know. Yeah. He hated Ricky. Yeah. It, it is just, I, I, and that's kind of what I was wondering as if I were reading that screenplay, I'd think this is the darkest <laughs> story I've read in a while. 
Did you expect it to be played as a comedy? No. Yeah. No, I didn't expect that. And in fact, I don't think it really is a comedy, but <laughs> a dark, dark, dark comedy. Yeah, it's I very it's dark. A, and, and I, I think it's something so dark and so gross at times that mm -hmm. it just people don't laugh through it. Most people, you know, the the um, the um, what's the name of that movie? The the big the big thing with Zach Galifianakis. Hangover. Yeah, the Hangover. Yeah. Those Hangover people just would walk out. <laughs> they would just walk out, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah, it's so, definitely for a distinct crowd. Um, it, it's twisted, I call it. I call it one people, of my. Man. What's that? Twisted people love uh, this. Yeah, <laughs> proudly a member. <laughs> <laughs> it's I. I describe it as one of my favorite movies to watch other people watch. Um, it's I. I love showing it to first timers and just watching them as they experience coming through. Um, I've had friends who get so involved with the characters that they get upset when Janet dies. Um, you know, they're like, oh, she could have joined them. I'm like, I, I've never seen anybody get so sucked in by the characters of this. Yeah, That's yeah, right. yeah. Other people just look at the absurdity of it and and enjoy that aspect, the gross out factors, the the just odd dialogue um at one point you talk with an australian accent for one line and it's just these bizarre little things that happen around this dark story that make the darkness palatable i guess would be the best way when jim's directing something like that is he directing it as a comedy no no yeah Everybody and, in it plays it so straight. I didn't think so. Jim usually gives notes. He'll throw out notes to you that aren't comedic. They're like tonal notes, mm -hmm. just basic tonal notes that you get and dial you right into what you're doing, you know. What's an example of one of those? Can you think of a particular scene where he came to you and said, you know, this is more of a, what, what would be a tonal note for something that he gave you? So, so we're on the beach and uh, we're putting the, the, uh, the heart in the sand. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're drawing the heart in the sand. Yeah. And he gave a whole note of like, this is where you come together. These, this is where all, everything that happened in the past is you guys are putting aside. You're burying the hatchet here, mm -hmm. Sky. You know, that kind of thing that really gets you into a heartfelt, like we're, we're going to be father and son again. There's not going to be any, any, you know, nasty vibes. Yeah. It's an incredibly sweet moment. Um, Michael's character is 
trying to explain how overwhelmed he was as a young father with this tiny baby. That's the line, you're a baby, a tiny baby. And you kind of see for a moment his veneer crack. And it's this guy who just felt lost completely and didn't know what yeah. the fuck he was yeah. doing. And it, yeah, it, there, there, that was a, a scene where we really worked on, you know, bringing bringing the, uh, the emotion of that out mm -hmm. where you really feel like, okay, this, this guy's kind of admitting what a fucking asshole he was. Right. <laughs> Braden loves hearing it, man. Braden yeah. was like, wow, dad. Yeah. You know? It's, I, it works so well because everything is played straight. It's nobody's winking at the camera and it's, it's kind of what I think separates, um, you know, what, what could have been either a, just a gross out dark mess or something played as an over the top comedy. It turns it into something that be, there's a reason it's a cult classic automatically because it's played so straight and with so much heart despite all the craziness going on around. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you've got characters in it, like Mel Cole, who was an old friend of yours, who played the hot dog vendor um, for those who don't uh, listeners who don't know, he was a stand-up comic around LA and a friend of skies that he brought in. Uh, unfortunately, we lost him to cancer, I believe. Right. I think he had a, I, I I think what it was, he was in a, a strip mall over in Glendale and he felt passed out. He had a heart attack oh, and they couldn't revive attack. him. Oh, they couldn't okay. revive him. They couldn't get there fast enough to revive him. Okay. So uh, Mel is like, he never, we, we'd meet up all the time and go over scripts and we'd talk about stuff. And he was a writer. He actually was in the writer's guild. He wrote a couple episodes of a, some shows back in the eighties. Mm -hmm. um, he was a real, real smart guy. And he never seemed like he had heart problems. He was yeah. like pretty much in shape and a thin guy, uh, you know, yeah. looked in good health. Bizarre, man. Yeah. Bizarre. He, he's definitely a standout performance in Greasy Strangler. And I encourage people to look for his stand-up. You can find some of it on YouTube. He was very funny. Obviously a unique thinker. Um, and it, uh, great loss. And I'm, and I, I'm very sorry Thanks for, for that. I really, really love Mel, man. Yeah. Awesome. So, I mean, there's been countless articles about the Greasy Strangler written. I don't want to spend too much time on it because listeners you can go find thousands of things about it but um you know i did i did want to touch on it i do want to talk about its premiere though at sundance because that's a really interesting story to me you want to talk about the premiere yeah well we get that we find out that in december jim wrote, uh sent me an email because whatsapp wasn't there we took we call each other on WhatsApp now all the time, okay. <laughs> but he sent me an email, Sky, we're in Sundance. Do you believe it? We're in Sundance. And I'm like, oh my God, 
this film made it to Sundance? I couldn't believe it. I couldn't. I hadn't seen any of it. I hadn't seen any final right. anything. And I thought, how in the hell did this make it to Sundance? <laughs> and sure enough, we're on a plane. Uh, Tim League had a uh, rented a, um, a condo or a townhouse up there for the whole cast and crew. Cool. And like four or five floors of bedrooms. We had our own room and all this. <clears throat> and um, it's we we just spent at least ten days going to interviews after interview after photo shoot after everything you know yeah. and the first night was the big party night where they have the the um the welcoming party it's a big dj and a, yeah everybody goes to it there was a line outside the door down the street we waited in the line it was freezing and we were thinking how is this film going to go over here at sundance and Sure enough, people were, were standing there. People were start, starting to talk about the Greasy Strangler. Mm -hmm. Boy, I, I got to see this. I got to see this. I got to see that. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. How is this happening? <laughs> and we get to this premiere. I forget the movie. The movie theater was at at Sundance. It was right there in Park City. And uh, it's completely sold out. It's it's packed to the gills, mm -hmm. standing room. And the film starts off and like five minutes into the film, people start walking out. <laughs> how, did, how did you deal with it? <laughs> I, I got really upset and went to the bathroom. <laughs> Ran you said to the you bathroom. got it made you physically ill, didn't it? Yeah, I, yeah. I just <laughs> I was like, oh my god, the music, the the this film, oh my god. So, <clears throat> and it was every every uh, screening was completely packed. Yeah, and the the reviews were insane. There were some reviews like this is the worst film that's ever been made in the history of filmmaking, the history of cinema. This is the worst. And then there was like, this is brilliant. This is <laughs> be aware. You cannot unsee this masterpiece. <laughs> I remember one review and it was, I think the most insightful of the reviewers who didn't like it. They said it was like a John Waters film if John Waters hated his characters. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I I didn't read that one, but <laughs> it was one of those that came up. I thought that I saw. So it automatically is obviously blowing up. It's changing your life. Um, I know it, it caused some issues in your marriage and we don't have to get into that, but um, it, 
it drastically. My wife hated the movie at first. Yeah, yeah. And and then slowly started to, you know, mm -hmm. wow, this is something special. But initially it was, right. God, what kind of films are you going to be doing? <laughs> Anyway. Was it, I think it, did you say yeah. it was the trip to Australia yeah. where her whole attitude changed on yeah. it? <laughs> we had a good we had a good time in Australia. Yeah. What was that like getting you're you're suddenly you're an international film star and you're going to Australia for this bizarre indie? Wow. Australia was we were in the, we were in Melbourne, mm -hmm. Melbourne, for God. There was a big film festival called Mad Monster. Mm -hmm. Mad Monster, or there's two different film fests. There's the convention called Mad Monster Fest, right. and then there's the the thing we went to in in um, in Australia was. God, I thought it was Mad Monster. Anyway, they brought us down there and they had a film fest for like two weeks in Melbourne. Almost, yeah. almost two weeks. We were right there in a hotel for two weeks, going back and forth, doing interviews and like walking around Melbourne. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we took trips. They, they took us to um, Tasmania to Hobart, Tasmania, which was, wow, that was something. We did a, we did a uh, night there. And then, mm -hmm. then we went to Adelaide and then Brisbane. Wow. There were just screenings where people would show up and yeah. But uh, Tasmania was probably the most beautiful. It's that Island off of Australia. I can't imagine. It had to have just been amazing just to be able to travel like that, have it paid for as you're just moving around this beautiful country. It was fantastic. And Adelaide was great too. Yeah. Have you ever been to Australia? No, it's a yeah. bucket list place up for me. I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. That in New Zealand. Yeah. I probably helped having somebody like Elijah Wood with you, of course, who famously spent a lot of time in New Zealand and Australia with Lord. He wasn't there though. He didn't go with you. Okay. He didn't go. It was okay. just, it was just Michael was supposed to go. Right. Michael and I. And Why couldn't Michael, Michael go? That's a good story. Michael couldn't Michael uh informed the the informed the festival and the producers that he had a drug bust back in in the 70s and it was somehow on his record and when they tried to get him book him on a flight it came up that, right no we we're not going to accept him into into australia and he told everybody this at the last minute right and, and aunt aunt timpson aunt timpson said Michael, if you would have told me a couple months ahead of time, right. I could have probably worked this out. So <laughs> Janet went, uh, Elizabeth went. Elizabeth went, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so we did, you know, screenings and panels and 
you know, and I met Ted Koch up there, you know, mm-hmm. weekend of Bernie's and yeah. Rambo. Yeah. And, um, it was a fun time, man. Cool. Really fun, fun Very time. Cool. So what was the aftermath for you after greasy strangler blows Oops. up essentially what happened with your career at that point um after greasy strangler mm-hmm. let's see here there you go there you go uh it basically we spent the year of 2016 going to screenings Mm -hmm. and film festivals san francisco film festival baltimore film festival calgary film festival all over just Mm -hmm. for the whole year october was the actual premiere of the greasy strangler at the nighthawk in in new york yeah and in the meantime it was outside it was in um Karlovy at the big festival there. It was in oh, Berlin. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was all, we didn't go there for, for whatever reason. I don't think, um, I don't know why we didn't go there, but uh, we were on on the road with the Greasy Strangler for 2016. Yeah. And then 2017 came and pretty much started auditioning again and working again i didn't work i didn't work at all in 2016 yeah it was all greasy strangler right did that did it help or hinder you with auditions having a movie with that notoriety really more than anything else i think i think for casting directors and stuff people were they they really loved the film Mm -hmm. i'd go to like commercial auditions and the guy would come out and say sky i suck greasy strangler and it's my favorite film <laughs> you know that kind of stuff i get that all the time and and i'd be at these auditions and people would come up to me and say yeah man the greasy strangler i loved it i imagine as a casting director if they're watching that movie what they see is an actor who will do anything on screen almost <laughs> We talked about the scene in it, and it's it's personally my favorite scene simply because of the commitment from you um, when when your father has stolen your girlfriend and they're having a night of passionate sex in the bedroom next to yours. You end up in the street in your underwear, laying on the pavement, screaming at the sky. You're a full minute on camera doing that. The commitment it would take to be willing to be that vulnerable physically and emotionally on camera like that. I can't imagine it myself. It, it would take so much out of a person to do that, but you seem to just dive right in. Well, Jim's a great director. He gets you into it, mm-hmm. but the scene previous to me running on the street, that kind of got me amped up a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm when I'm in bed and I'm hearing yeah. them have having sex over there, did you, you know, shoot I, those two scenes in continuity? Then, yeah, that probably helped a lot. Then, yeah, yeah, that and that was it. 
that was in the day and the, the other thing was at night when mm-hmm. i'm running out into the street yeah and i think that was the last scene of the day they had they had a uh a crane Big crane shot yeah yeah and um man that was intense man yeah. It was an insane scene. The first time I saw the movie, I was just like, I, I don't know who this dude is, but I want to see everything he's done. Because if he's going to do this, he's going to put this much into everything he does. <laughs> well, you know, there's where you read the scene from the script and you're mm-hmm. like, how am I going to do this? Yeah. How am I going to do, you know? Yeah. And, and when you're reading it and you're looking at it and you're talking to Jim and Jim's telling you what he wants, were you at all reluctant or is that just not in your nature? I wasn't reluctant. There was no turning back. <laughs> no turning back, man, at that point. Um, I, you know, I wish there was behind the scenes footage Man, I kicked Jim for not having a camera, uh, a video camera behind the scenes with him talking to us. I can't remember yeah. what he was saying to me before I'm running into the streets in my underwear. Mm-hmm. Um, was he calling direction at you during that scene while they're filming too? No. Just no. let you go. Yeah. But wow. Prior to it. Okay. It's an what's interested me most is the life of its own that that film has taken on. I uh, told you, I have a friend here locally who's a brewer at one of our local breweries created a beer called Fully Dunked. Um, that when they can it, they stamp on the bottom of each one. I could lose my license. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And where is that in Indiana? Yeah, it's called Black Acre Brewery. They're a local man. Brewery. Why didn't we go there when we were? In we Indiana? didn't have time. We were talking we about going, and then it's just it, this. The convention had so much of your time, of course. So I'll tell you what I like Indiana, Indianapolis. Thanks. We do too. It's a it's a neat city. It gets a lot of flack, I know, but um, we got some cool stuff going on here. Bluebeard, milk Blue tooth, yeah. Vita restaurants, mm-hmm. super restaurants. Um, the, the Black Acre is one of our better breweries. We've got a, a few breweries that popped up around here that are very, very good. Um, little sparse on wine, as you found, <laughs> but um, but hey, hey, Crown Liquor was pretty good downtown. That's a great liquor store. It really is one of my favorites. Sponsor yeah. opportunity. <laughs> Jason's you, thinking, yeah, Scarlet Lane, they're another good. Let's keep naming places we want to sponsor us. So, so check this out, dude. We're, you know, Phil Anselmo and Bill Mosley and all. We, yeah. we ran out to get dinner at this place called Vita. Yeah, great restaurant. Where, where they have a, a wall of veg, ve, vegetables, right? A wall right. of uh, herbs. Mm-hmm. And they pick it off the wall. It's growing. Yeah. Um, we decided to not go to the crown down the street and the one like right across the street from the hotel. Yeah. And we, you know, you and I went into the crown downtown and that's it's, a, it's nice a nice one. That's a really store. nice one. Yeah. So we, I'm thinking that one across the street is like similar dude. <laughs> they have a big, like plexiglass 
uh, yeah. window. And, of course. And you can... <laughs> Scott, are you too good it's east, east side, man. East side, <laughs> we have man. our own rules. <laughs> wow. It was it was really fun watching. Um, I got to go in kind of behind the scenes on the convention, helping you set up and stuff. Just you know, watching you interact, like you and Bill Mosley just talking and bitching about SAG and changes to uh, your your insurance and stuff like that. Getting that little taste of what it's like to be a, a real actor, not a movie star, an actor who's out there working, who's chasing after it every day. And I imagine those little headaches that come up, it's probably nice at a convention to be able to have those people you can commiserate with. Yeah, you know, hey, Bill, you know, this SAG insurance, man, I got this rash on my balls and, right. and they won't, they won't give me the ointment to take it off. They cut our health care. Right. Like, Are you the same guy? <laughs> that was, that was fun though, man. That was a lot of fun. And, um, the ladies making our shorts. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll give her a shout out. Uh, Joan she, Dark. She's got another. She's got another company called Bloomington Stitchery mm -hmm. that's going to do our shirts. Very cool. Awesome. And that's that's one thing. Number two, we had a big Zoom meeting with with Pegasus. Good. Awesome. And those two dudes are. It looks like it looks like they're going to. They're super interested in Ben Evans. Awesome. Well, that's actually that's Mallerman a got on the got on the Zoom meeting and they were like, oh, my God, it's Josh Mallerman. Very cool. Not not. Oh, my God, it's Sky Elevar from, from <laughs> Strangler. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Pegasus is an Indiana based production company. They've um, made uh, several films already. Uh, Good Catholic, uh, Miss White Light, The Miseducation of Bindu. Great wonderful little independent productions that they've done. Um, they're trying to bring a lot of filmmaking into Indiana and source a lot of local people. So I'm glad that we were able to connect you with them. Julie yeah. Powers, who's done a lot Let's of makeup work Let's for them. Let's get you in Ben Evans, dude. Hey, I've, uh, I already sent something to James about Julie and I to be the singing duo in the bar. So Let's talk about Ben Evans. So that's where we, where we really met face-to-face -face for the first time. Um, for those who don't know, this is based on a short story by Josh Mallerman, who wrote Bird Box. It's, uh, well, tell us what it's about. Well, it's about this, I, I don't want to say deranged, because he's not completely deranged, but he's he's a kind of a Braden kind of guy, home-ridden. Home taking care of his parents um, and he's got one passion really in life and that's to make films mm -hmm. and he has a mentor uh, a mentor by the name of Jim Bradley who's kind of a, a Sid Fields type uh, he's obsessed with Jim Bradley's books and his videotapes and and uh, is is taken by this one catchphrase that Jim Bradley always this mantra, it's the doing that matters. It's yep. the doing that matters. So, so Ben is really possessed with getting, making a short film using the only people he can find or is recently deceased parents. Mm -hmm. And he, he goes off and 
goes forward to making this film and and uh, living out this dream that he has to make Jim Bradley proud. Basically and, making puppets of his deceased parents' corpses. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's a uh, it's another another story about a, a little bit of a an odd guy mm -hmm. who who wants to do stuff a little different. It was life. it was interesting. I when I, I kind of had the opposite reaction of you did with Greasy Strangler. When I read the screenplay the first time for the short, I was like, this is a really dark comedy. And Everyone else was like, "No, this is a horror film, Dylan." <laughs> but yeah. um, it it's because the premise is so absurd. It read to me like a really dark comedy first time around. After working with you guys on it and seeing that final product, it definitely is a horror film. Um, for our listeners, the short is available on Vimo, uh, Vimo, uh, Vimeo uh, under a Ben Evans film. You can look it up and watch it there. And the intention. The script, I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. The script is amazing. It really the is. Full script. Oh, it I is. I can't wait to see the full one. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get that to you. You can read it. Cool. It's. Um, it was intended. The short was intended kind of as a proof of concept to try and get funding for a feature film. Exactly. And so that's moving forward now. That's moving forward. Yeah. And thanks to. Dylan and Julie. We, she says hello, we, by the way. <laughs> we got we got you. We're hooked up with this company that's gonna probably get involved. Awesome. Yeah, she Bunch told me great that, uh, they met with you guys and and got that set up. So that's great. And that so that's moving forward. Um we also need to talk a little bit about an evening with Beverly Left Lynn. That's another Jim Hosking film that you did. It kind of up the ante a little bit as far as star power, Aubrey Plaza, Jermaine Clement, um, Craig Robertson, uh, Matt Berry, all showing up in it. It was it definitely tonally different than Greasy Strangler. Um, it was, and it was kind of a departure from the themes that I had gotten used to with Jim Hoskin. And we talked a little bit about this, that the father-son issues were obviously a theme for him for a long time his abc's of death short definitely had that running through it whereas this was crab crab, crab. also yeah when you told me about that one yeah so this one was entirely it was almost um i guess a take his take on romantic comedies yeah would be my best pretty, guess at it yeah pretty much um it's it's got a God, I can't think of the what it reminds me of, but it's it's got a real a real veneer of 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 not absurd romantic comedy, but it's got that veneer that's that draws you in and and is is really it's got more of a pleasant thing going yeah. on than. It's more pleasant than Greasy Strangler. Yeah, oh, definitely, it, definitely. It draws yeah. you in more than Greasy Strangler. Yeah. It. Um, I have to. Uh, Jason wants to know: Did you get to work with Matt Barry or meet him at all? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 I didn't. I wasn't in a scene with him, but we hung right. out and talked about music because he's a musician. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know at the time, I didn't know about the Toast of London. Oh, it's so good. Man. But if I would have known that, I would have been all over him <laughs> about the Toast of London. He's a super, super nice guy, man. That's good to hear. Thank God. Yeah. That is. We're Jason and both like, thank God, because we just admire him so much. Toast of London is one of those genius shows. Absolutely amazing. In the IT, crowd. IT crowd. He's hysterical in that. Yeah. Now and of course, what we do in the shadows. Yes. That's, I saw that was coming through. Cool. And then you also worked in that film, um, someone you'd worked with before on Lady Dynamite, Maria Bamford. The, I have to add, I think she is an absolute genius, just probably certified genius. One of the funniest and cleverest people out there, definitely. What was it like? I, I, with her? I, I didn't work with her. She came in. She came in. I saw her at the at the door of Eureka Inn as she was coming right. in to to work, and she says, "Sky, I'm going to get you on season two of Lady Dynamite." You know, uh -huh. and that never happened. But right. <laughs> uh, the first season of Lady Lady Dynamite had to be like hands down the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's Brilliant. That first season is like beyond funny, and and her scene in in um, Beverly Laughlin where yeah. she starts talking in a Scottish accent. Oh, oh my, my god, I, she kills me. But she, you did show great. up in in that first season. You showed up on two episodes of that of Lady yeah. Dynamite. Yeah, that was fun, man. What was that show like? I mean, just working on it, the behind the scenes of that. It just seemed like such a bizarre atmosphere. It in was a good I way. Sat, just sat in a chair the whole time with Frank Melamut or Fred Melamut. Fred Melamut. What a great guy. That got voice talking of his. to him about his life and history. Yeah. And he's what? a great dude. And then we he's went to the be. premiere of the show, the first season down in Hollywood, and all they were all there. Maria and I got yeah. pictures and, and, uh, they're just great people. Fred's one of those guys I'm trying to get on this show, actually. He's a fascinating dude. And his, his work be, history he'll, is amazing. He'll, dude, he'll be easy to get. He's a real approachable guy. So what are you up to now? I know. Um, oh, we got to talk candy corn. Wait a minute. Back it up. We have to talk about candy corn. Um, viewers, if you haven't, or listeners, if you haven't list, uh, watched this movie, it's great bizarre little horror film uh came out in 2019 you got to check it out it's a lot of fun what was that experience like working on a straight on horror um poncho malaire the the guy who plays in ben evans who plays jim bradley in ben yeah. evans he got me involved he he I was over at his house doing a little self-tape. He was helping me do a self-tape. And he, he, six or seven months before that movie ever happened, he said, hey, Sky, I'm doing this movie called Candy Corn. And I think you'd be perfect for this part. I'm going to suggest you to the, the director. And he told Josh, hey, Sky from Greasy Strangler, he'd be perfect as Gus. And I got the part. Right. 
and they sent me the script and I really loved the script. Mm-hmm. It really was really, really great horror script. Yeah. And then the, we got talking about the mask and the, you know, I got a sense that this thing was really cool movie, man. First mm-hmm. movie for Josh Hasty. Yeah. But yeah. A, a really, really great, great effort. And he spent, I think, three years doing this movie, mm-hmm. piecing it together. Yeah. Getting the funding, labor of love. So, yeah. uh, they flew me out to to Ohio mm-hmm. in a little town outside of Cincinnati, a little that they had completely locked down pretty much, the yeah. diner and all this. And I was there for like two or three days and had a blast and was the first kill in the movie. Yeah. What was that? I, I've always wanted to be killed in a horror film. What's it what what's it like? That Especially that the was slasher. hard because they had a system where they lifted me up, mm-hmm. right? I wasn't actually being lifted up by the guy. In right, his hand. right. We did that for hours and hours. <laughs> and then the guts thing. Right. We did that. And then I laid on the floor for two hours, blood, <sighs> different. And it was cold. I'm sure. Yeah. Freezing. So it was, it was a, it was a lot of work, man. Sure. Getting killed. Yeah. But then the final result though is what was it like watching yourself getting gutted on? I thought it was was pretty good work, man. It's a great gag. The, the effects gag for that is fantastic. Um, All practical effects, prosthetics. uh, No budget, man. Yeah. Yeah. He did a phenomenal job. He really did. It's a lot of fun, that movie. It's one of those I expect there to be a candy corn too. Honestly, kind of the it'll end up getting franchised, I have a feeling. And it's got some great little Easter eggs in it. Of course, Courtney Gaines, Tony Todd, PJ Scholes, Souls show up in it. Um Poncho. Poncho Muller, yes, as well. Um, and did you have interactions with PJ? I didn't, but she was. Yeah. I didn't was know if the, you guys uh, were even there on the same time. Let me think. I think yeah, we had one one day where she was working, and I was saying, you know, you're you were with the same agent that I was with, and she's like Jerry Pace. Oh, okay. And we we had the same agency. Okay. So I had that in common, and I talked to her about you know Halloween and oh yeah. She's another one. I've I've gone after her pretty assiduously, and I've gotten no response from her manager or anybody. But I, it's kind of the what you do. They don't know who the hell I am. I'm just coming down out of nowhere. But she's well, one of those people that's just seems so dynamic and has done so much. Just an after this person. thing, after this thing, it's going to be like if you haven't done the Walter Paisley movie house, you're not cool. <laughs> That's yeah. That's <laughs> actually Can most of the people I want to talk out? to are not in Hollywood. So <laughs> you're if you haven't done the Walter Paisley movie house, you're not cool. <laughs> that's I'm gonna use that as a that'll be my my big uh pull quote from this one. I'll throw that out there. 
So you're working now toward getting funding um, and um, a Ben Evans film doing the feature of that. Um, you've got some stuff in post-production. I know, I know you have stuff coming up. You can't talk about really. Um, right. But what, what else is happening, man? My friend in Rochester, Eric Myra, he's a director, writer. We wrote this thing called House of Christmas Pass. It's a horror movie. We were, we were looking to do it during COVID because there's only three actors in the whole thing. And it was like two different sets. And we were going to do this in like 14 days. Mm -hmm. And just tr trying to get the money to do it was a little bit of a, you know, a climb yeah. but we're pursuing that it's a it's like the shining and a, a christmas carol all wrapped in one nice and it's really really a classic classic horror movie featuring sky elobar as as uh this window designer oh okay. who gets a, i'm a window designer at a department store and i get yeah. approached by this really really weird lady who wants me to to design uh, a, a wealthy family's house with Christmas decorations and design the whole inside like it was in the past. Cool. And and little uh, do, little do we know this this uh, evokes a, a a malignant spirit from the past to come alive. It's a, it's a real it's a real horror film man that i'm gonna do nice no comedy cool. all horror cool well that's one so, to look forward to yeah cool. so we're pitching that to people awesome still doing music i'm sorry still doing music no music no music just i know you had said you and jermaine clement had been talking about doing something oh, together yeah, we were talking about doing a jazz jazz record yeah and, uh that was just a fleeting moment. Right. <laughs> he 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 uh, messengers me on uh, Twitter mm -hmm. and says DMs me on Twitter and said asks me, you know, what should I listen to, Sky? What's good? Cool. And I tell him, you know, give him give him uh, obscure jazz records to look up. Awesome. Very so cool. He, he's a real jazz enthusiast. Cool. And how are your other passions going? You're a you're a really big wine connoisseur. I am. I we just we our house got flooded um oh. two two, three days ago, and we're in a hotel right now. That's oh, why I'm man. holding this camera because I don't have my tripod. Oh shit, man. I'm sorry. Well, I don't want you to have to hold your camera any longer than you have to, but thank you so much for your time, dude. My pleasure. This man. was a lot of fun. Cool. Lots of lots of lots of fun, man. Definitely. Well, I'm definitely gonna we're gonna get together again soon. Next time we're gonna jam, dude. How we'll far is Chicago from Indianapolis? About three hours. Okay. When are when are you gonna be there? Uh November. Okay. Hit me up, let me know. Maybe I can head up that way. And that was Sky Elabar. Interesting, interesting dude. I'm really happy to be able to call him a friend. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope as you're getting out and about in the world, you're taking care of your servers, because at the Walter Paisley Movie House, we do not piss on hospitality. Have a good one, kids. See you in a few weeks. <laughs>